excited with what's in here right now. And I'm not talking about like bagels and donuts. <laughs> what's in here. Let's, uh, let's get the quote out the way. New beginnings are often disguised as painful endings. New beginnings are often disguised as painful endings. Can we all agree 2016 was difficult? Yes. Heavy amen. Come on. Amen. Amen. I don't remember feeling this way any other year. It's not like, oh, you feel like this at the end? No. I don't ever remember feeling this way at the end of a year. 2016 was difficult. I was reading an article that gave a great picture. He he puts it this way, he says, Dear readers, look around. Every pot on the world stove is boiling. Every pot on the world stove is boiling. Can we ignore the growing problems and retreat into some artificial comfort zone, the church? And uh, another great biblical lesson teaches us that only when our afflictions grow so strong, when our discomfort becomes so unbearable, when our sense of inability to solve our own problems becomes so great, do we humans turn to God. Every pot on the world stove boiling. You ever felt like that? That's like a stressful moment. I've been wrestling with what to do for New Year's service, what to say, what's going to happen, where are we going to be, you know, because every, every week is kind of uncertain. Are we going to be in the church? Are we going to be here? And, and you know, I'm not even going to talk about that. It doesn't even matter. <laughs> but I was, I was, you know, thinking, how, how do we start the new year? How do we, and, and I have to tell you, man, I totally feel this is from the Lord today. Totally, totally. I mean, I shouldn't, I shouldn't get up here if, it, if I didn't ever feel that every Sunday. But I mean, like more than ever, I feel this is for us today. It's for the Lord. We usually do some sort of challenge at the start of the year. And I'm, and I'm committed to do a challenge this year. But this one is going to be totally different. And I believe it's a reflection of what we've all gone through, what we're going through in our world, in our time. And so first, what I want to do this morning is comfort you with the word. When we go through things, we need to have the Word of God to comfort us, amen? To calm us, to steady us, to encourage us, and then to push us. The same word, to push us again. Because if we're not pushed, we don't grow. If there's no resistance, there's no strength. And we want to be a strong church. So the, the word, I, I love this quote, I use it all the time. This is not the actually original quote, it was changed a hundred years ago. The word of God comforts the afflicted and afflicts the comfortable. I remember when I first started in ministry, this is a crazy story. Those of you that were with me, you know it. It's always good to hear it again. This, the way this church came to be started over 25 years ago. Some of you are not that good in math. You're like, but the church is 11 years old. The way this church came to be goes back 25 years. Let me show you how it started. My wife volunteered to help with the youth group in our old church. 
The only church we knew, the first church that we walked into, gave our hearts to the Lord, stayed there, and started working in ministry immediately. My wife decided to help out with the youth group, and against my wishes, she volunteered me <laughs> to be a chaperone at a youth retreat. <laughs> against my wishes. And so I remember that night like it wasn't 25 years ago. I drove up to Syracuse, New York. I worked a full day on a Friday, on a Thursday, whatever, whatever it was. And I drove all these hours up. I remember it was raining, snowing. It was a bad, bad time. Bad drive. It was dark. It was, it was wet. It was not safe. I drove. I was cranky. Needless to say, I was cranky. You know when you're going someplace you don't want to go anyway? Everything's going to get you cranky no matter what. So it was a long, but I finally find the hotel, I find, I find the lobby, I get up, and when I go to the, to the floor where all our rooms are, where all our kids, and I find the leaders in the hallway, we had a young person that had just tried to kill themselves. I have to tell you, I was a different George back then. I didn't feel compassionate, I was angry. I was upset. I'm like, really? Really? This? This? And so I spent the next day with these youth and, and I was not loving it. And then the next night we were at the evening youth rally. Every night there was a rally. You know, and that, at that rally there's, they bring in great speakers and they bring in awesome worship teams. And there's thousands, a couple, I don't know if there were thousands, but I don't remember, you know, those particular. But there were hundreds of young people. And, and I remember sitting there and there were hundreds of young people at the front. And they were worshiping and having an experience with God and getting touched and crying and praying for each other. And all the kids that we brought from the Bronx... Sitting right in front of me, asleep. And I'm kicking him in the head and I'm slapping him. Get up! Listen, he's talking to you. Listen, pay attention, worship. And they're asleep, bunch of hood rats, all of them, asleep. And I was so angry. I remember saying to myself, this is not for me. And I can't wait to get back home. Out of nowhere, this man shows up. <clears throat> he said he came from the other side of the stadium. And he comes and he sits next to me and he wants to pray for me. And now, you know, I'm new to all this. I'm still a little suspect. <laughs> I'm not too excited about some stranger coming. You know, I wasn't open to this stuff yet. I'm just getting my feet wet in ministry, you understand? And so he starts going off about how God's going to use these kids. I said, do you see that they're asleep, bro? <laughs> how God's going to use these kids and how God has anointed me to stand with them and, and to bring them through and he's going to use me. And inside I'm almost laughing. I'm saying, you are so off. <laughs> you have no clue what you're saying or who you're talking to. These are not my kids. These are not my kids. I'm a volunteer. You, you understand? I'm a chaperone. I'm here so they don't kill anybody. That's the only thing. Or, or so when they do kill somebody, I can go to jail and call the police and call the parents and do whatever. It's the only reason I'm here. And he's talking to me and he's saying God's going to use you. And, and, God, and I'm telling him, man, maybe when you were so far over there, this place is dark. Maybe when God said that guy, you, you, you was the wrong guy. Maybe they look over, you know. 
You're talking to the wrong guy and he keeps prophesying and, and talking to me and, 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 and he kept talking and prophesying past my head and into my heart until I stopped laughing and I started crying for these kids and they became my kids and I became that man that he, that God showed him even though I wasn't something happened that day my heart softened and I realized that God had blessed me when I was a knucklehead just like them and that God I didn't have anybody to as a youth leader or as a or as a mentor I didn't have any of that nonsense and and God said but I've gotten you through that so I blessed you so that you can be a blessing for them and that's the title of this message blessed to bless For the next 10 to 12 years, I took those teens to that retreat. Every year. And every year they were sleeping. And every year they were reckless. And they would play manhunt through the whole hotel. To three, four, and uh, By the way, that was Sal and Mark. That were these teens. Just so you know, I'm not blowing nobody up, Jesse. I'm not blowing nobody out, but... But those were these teens that I'm talking about. Played manhunt to three, four in the morning. The, the management would come and get me. Mark, did I say Mark? Uh, just want to make sure Mark was included in that. They would come and get me, uh, Pastor. I wasn't a pastor back then, but you know, whatever. Uh, pastor, um, your kids were down in the, in the garden. I said, no, nah, not my guys. My guys are in the room. And I already knew, because they already came to get me, and they said security was coming. So I said, get in the room. And so I would come, I said, look, these guys are in the room. They're all right here. It wasn't my guys that broke anything. Not these guys. They're right here. These guys, they were praying a minute ago. I mean, <laughs> But um, every year, I took that guy that came and spoke to me, I still in touch. His name is Joe Iannone. He's a senior pastor now. God is still using him to, to touch people. He has a church up in upstate New York. We still connected on Facebook. We still check in on each other. I was in a bad place that weekend. And I was comforted with God's presence. I was comforted with the word, but I was also afflicted. So to make a long story even longer, after some mess in the church and after everyone else, all the other youth leaders quit or left the country, we were finally officially put in charge of the youth. I was excited to start because I didn't get to start till after a year of this event. Because I came to my pastor and I told him, listen, God spoke to me. I'm ready to run the youth group. I'm ready to this, that. And he said, okay, well, hold up. You just committed to working with the Royal Rangers. That was the little kids program. He said, you just committed to working with them. And you've only done a month and you committed for a year. And I said, yeah, but obviously you're not hearing from God. I just told you. I just told you that I got a prophetic word spoken over my life and I have a heart for these young people and I want to work today. I want to start now. And he said, when you finish your commitment, if God called you to this, when, and this is one of the most beautiful things he's ever done for me. He said, when you finish your commitment, if the calling is still on your life, if God called you to this, that'll still be there. So finish out your commitment and then talk to me next year. That's for somebody. Somebody need to take that. 
So I remember around that time, you know, it was a full year later. I was excited to start. I was, you know, excited to make it something great to really bless these teens. I wanted to be a part of their lives. I wanted them, you know, I, I was excited, man. I knew, I knew something big was going to happen. But I remember around that time, I had been hearing testimonies. Remember, I'm still kind of a brand new Christian. And so I was hearing testimonies from people who, who were sharing that when God calls you into ministry, he gives you this ministry verse or, or God uses this scripture to, to speak into your life. And, and I kept hearing these testimonies more and more and I kept saying, but I don't have a verse. I know it seems silly, but in my head I was like, well, I can't be, I can't run this ministry if I don't have a verse. I need a verse, God. And I'm stressing about this, silly, but I'm stressed. I say, I need a verse. I need, I need, you know, something that you give me to, to hang on to. I need something to rely on. I need something to fall back on. I need a scripture that calls me into ministry even when I don't want to do it anymore. I, I, a verse that keeps me focused. I, you know, I, I don't have that. I can't do this. And I was stressing it out. It was probably the next Friday night or maybe a week after that. One of the deacons in the church. Thank God for deacons. One of the deacons in the church, they would be there on Fridays to serve as ushers and to make sure, you know, the police don't take all of our teens. <laughs> and they came up to me one night, they pulled me to the side, and, and this would be something that over the next 10, 15 years, they would do regularly. And, and it was awesome. They would just pull me aside and speak into my life. So he pulled me aside and he said, listen, um, him and his wife, he said, I don't know if this means anything to you, but God told me to give you a verse. He said, it's Isaiah 45, 2 and 3. I don't, I don't even know where to find Isaiah at this point, but I was so like, wow, God. God, I asked you for something and you heard me. So Isaiah 45, 2 says this. He says, I will go before you and I will level the mountains. I will break down gates of bronze and cut through bars of iron. I will give you the treasures of darkness, riches stored in secret places, so that you may know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel, who summons you by name. Now, again, I didn't go to seminary. I didn't have this extensive biblical understanding. I, didn't, I hadn't even read the whole Bible yet when God called me. So I didn't know anything about context and taking things out of context and, and understanding you know, where it was. I didn't know anything about hermeneutical exegesis. Which, that's just the interpretation of biblical text. I didn't know any of that, and so I'm pretty sure God knew I didn't know any of that. I don't think like, like God thought, oh, this guy just came out of uh, no, Bible school, and so I'm pretty sure he knew my life, right? So when, when, when he gave me something, I, I think it was just that he heard his son asking for something to stand on. Asking for help and guidance, and, and because God is the word, he just sent me a word. He said one day he'll study this further. Maybe one day for New Year's he'll share it with his congregation. But all I know right now he needs to know that I'm blessing him so that he can be a blessing. And so I read that verse the only way I knew to read it. And, and I only knew how to read it in my own understanding. And so it, it was to me like if God passed me a note with scripture. And so I just read, read it that way. So don't, um, you Bible scholars don't you know, attack me. But this is how I read that scripture. To me, I read it him saying, I called you. I chose you. 
Because I put it together with the guy coming all the way from the other side of the stadium. Hundreds, hundreds of people all over the place. Lots and lots of youth leaders and, and, and young people he could have been prophesying into. But he picked me. He chose me. So I read it. I chose you to do this. To step out into service for me. And I heard him say, I'm going to break into pieces anything that comes against you. I'm going to open doors for you that in the natural you can never open. And then he said, I'm going to give you the treasures of darkness, riches stored in secret places. And you know what that meant for me? This is not what the text means, but this is what it meant for me. Those riches, those treasures of darkness, those riches stored in secret places, those were my teens. That was them. To me, they were rich. The world didn't see them as riches. The world saw them all as hood rats. But to me, there were riches, treasures of darkness stored in secret places. Some of them are still with me, amen. amen. A lot of them still reach out to me. They're grown men and women now, living far and living close. And, and they still connect with me on, on Facebook and, and send me emails. And That word comforted and afflicted me that day, and it still does to this day. And it was only after God gave me a heart for these young people that He started giving me a heart for healthy families. Because working with these young people for so many years showed me that they needed to get, we needed to get to these teens earlier. By the time we got them into youth group, they were so messed up. They were so abandoned already. They were so neglected. They were so hurt. They were so abused. They were so, so indoctrinated with junk and, and so filled with, with nothing. So, so when we finally stepped out, you know, I, I said, we, we, we got to reach the family because we need to reach the family so that by the time they come into youth group, they already got foundations. They already have a support system, you know. So when we finally stepped out to start this church against warnings and threats and blacklisting, one of the prophetic words that God used to usher us out was this. A stranger came to my wife and told her, lives are hanging in the balance. Like the longer you decide on this, the longer you wait, the, the more, um, um, you know, we kept saying, God, you got to confirm this. You got to give me confirmation and you got to, you know, make the sky blue, make the sky orange, make it green, make it blink. <laughs> you know, anybody test God like that sometimes? God, if this is you, if you really want me to do this, Amen. right? Yeah. If you really want me to do this, let me wake up taller. <laughs> and then I'll know that you want me to reach new things. You know, like we give God impossible things, right? And sometimes he does it. And then you just look for another thing. Say, God, I know I'm taller, but now I gotta buy new pants. Now you got an expense. So so release some money. Give me a check out of nowhere. Like we ask God for all these tests, right? So, but that person said, lives are hanging in the balance while you do all this testing. And so we didn't wait anymore. We stood out. You know, we, we jumped out. And so God has given us a heart for, for the family. That's why the vision and mission of this church is, is building healthy families. And so we're here today, right now, because God prepared in advance for us to bless you. Here's what I want. You got to understand this. Because this is so good. This is not about me. Don't think I'm bragging about me. This is not about me. Somebody here today or listening online and you think this year has been so hard on you, this year has been so difficult, it almost feels like God has let you go. I want you to see how God planned in advance to bless you. In advance. God called us out 25 years ago so that we would have a church today. So that you can be blessed. 
so that you can have fellowship, so that you can worship with somebody on New Year's 2017. Over 25 years ago, he called me, spoke to my heart, changed my heart, so that today you can be comforted with the word of God. So that you can be encouraged. Now let me show you how this connects, because this, this is the good part. That verse, Isaiah 45, that verse that God gave me to rest on and grow with, I understand now that verse. Now, doing, doing study and, 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 and taking out the context and figuring out where it is and who's saying it and to who is he saying it and in what context. Now, now I can understand it a little better. Let me share it with you a little bit. The prophet Isaiah was speaking to God's people, Israel, and he was telling them, there's going to come a time where you are going to be exiled. You're not going to be in your country. You're not going to be in your land. Why? Because you've been disobedient. Because you haven't listened. Because you haven't drawn close to me. Because I'm trying to bless you and you keep running. Because you keep turning away from me. Now, Isaiah the prophet, God is using Isaiah to speak to his people. He said, there's going to come a time where you're going to be exiled. Your enemies are going to come in and take you away from your land. And they're going to take you to foreign lands. And for years, and you're going to be slaves. You're going to be captives in a foreign place. But God is saying, but I'm not going to let go of you. You're going to be hurt. You're going to be struggling. You're going to go through hard times. But I'm not going to let go of you. There's going to come a time where I'm going to bring you back together. Listen, listen, this is good. And so understand that the prophet Isaiah was speaking to them and he's telling them you're going to be in captivity for years because of your turning from God. Because of your disobedience, you're going to be under oppression. You're going to have hard situations. They weren't in their homes. They're not going to be in their land. But God had not let go of them. He was still working on their behalf. Watch this. So in Isaiah 45 verse 1, the verse just before the one that was given to me, the prophet says this. This is what the Lord says to his anointed, to Cyrus. Keep that in mind. Who's Cyrus? Whose right hand I take hold of to subdue nations before him and to strip kings of their armor, to open doors before him so that gates will not be shut. So what's the big deal about this? This is what you got to get. This is beautiful. Who's Cyrus? I'm glad you guys asked. At the time when Isaiah delivered this prophecy, prophecy, at the time when he delivered this prophecy, Cyrus wasn't even born yet. So God is calling somebody by name who hasn't even been born yet. Okay. This is cool. Some scholars believe that this prophecy was written 200 years before it happened. This is why we need prophecy in the church. This is why we, we, need, to, we need to open our eyes and, and, and have God speak to us. So, so Cyrus, and, and this is even better, Cyrus was not a Jew. Cyrus was not God's people. Cyrus didn't even know God or serve God. We can read about him in Ezra. We can read about him all, all throughout this, this thing. Cyrus would eventually be known as this mighty monarch who fought big battles and had great success in what he does. But Cyrus was raised by, by the people he was raised with. They were worshiping idols. So he didn't even serve God. And God anointed this man. God tells us that before Cyrus was born, Cyrus was born, he anointed this man and he was going to uphold his hand. This ruler would see victory after victory. He'd have success. He would not understand it until he hears this prophecy that the one true God is the one that's blessed him. And the reason he's blessed him is not for him, it's for his people. Amen. Do you get this? God used a pagan king. To be defeat pagan armies. Not for 
for us. Nobody's getting that. He prepared in advance. This is so powerful that he, he made sure that Cyrus grew up, that he was powerful enough and influential enough and experienced enough to deliver God's people. He was blessed to bless. Years before they were even in captivity, God had already planned to rescue them. Do you understand? Years before you got through the situation you had to get through, years before, God already had a plan to get you through it. Give him a hand. Years before. Years before their disobedience, years before their rebellion, God had already blessed someone who would be a blessing for them. It's a picture of Christ. He said, whoa. You're comparing a pagan king as a picture of Christ? Yeah. Years before your disobedience, years before our rebellion, years before our turning from God or turning to God, our living in sin, somebody was anointed, somebody was chosen, somebody was set apart for your deliverance. Somebody was blessed so that you can be blessed, so that you can have a fresh start on New Year's Eve. New Year's Day. Say praise God. There's two things I want you to take away today. And I'm done. No matter what it feels like, God is for you. No matter what it feels like, God never lets go. Second thing. Just like Cyrus, just like me, just like countless other people in your life, God has used some not even Christians. If God could use a pagan king, that means God could use your pagan boss. That means God could use your pagan neighbor. That means God could use your atheist cousin. That means God could use the... the do you understand? That nothing's out of his reach. Do you understand? Like all the pieces are his. And God could use anything. And God has already prepared something in advance to bless you. Amen. And that person might not even know. That person might think it's me. I'm a good person. <laughs> no, man. <laughs> God said, I've anointed you. I've held your hand so that you can. Bl- and I did it not for you, but for her. So just like Cyrus, just like me, just like countless others in your life, you were blessed to bless. You. Do you understand that you, every single, there's not one unimportant chair or floor space in in this building. Every one of you were blessed to be a part of somebody else's blessing. So we're gonna flip everything. I'm gonna ask Melissa to come right now. She's gonna help me do something. And 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 as you watch this, and as you as you listen listen to the words, I want you to reflect and let your hearts be softened, and let your hearts be cold. Because I believe 2017, God is calling us. It's not going to be about the ministers and the pastors and the deacons and the leaders. It's going to be about every seat. In the building. Blessed to be to bless. So so listen, I'm gonna Melissa, you can come up right now. I'm gonna ask you to reflect on this challenge. This is the challenge for the year. 
I'm not going to ask you to fast for a week because if you're mature Christians, you should be doing that anyway. Amen. We're not going to play games anymore. Amen. I'm not going to ask you to pray extra like we normally do at the start of the year. We'll do a week of prayer. No, I'm not going to ask you to pray extra because that's silly. That's silly. If you're serving God, if you're a follower of God, you pray extra. Right. You pray more. You pray. You pray. We don't have to pray extra. We don't have to pray more. We just got to pray. The word says pray continually. Amen. So kind of silly to pray an extra week at the start of the year. Why? What kind of Mickey Mouse challenge is that? And I'm not making fun of any churches because we did it for the last three or four years. So you know, I'm not making fun of anybody. I'm saying there's maturity. Maturity comes and we need to grow up. Amen. Right? So we're not going to pray extra. We're not going to fast extra. And, and then what we normally do at, at the start of every year, we ask God to give us a word for the year. Because we know resolutions are garbage, right? Right, tomorrow or this weekend, some of you joined gyms already. God bless you. That's $19 out of your account. You'll never see again. When you go to, to, to Ask Planet Fitness in three months to cancel it, they're going to tell you no, you got to come in, you got to sign, you got to bring a doctor's note, you got to bring a social security, you got to bring a letter from Obama or Trump. They make it very difficult. So kiss those twenty dollars goodbye. Kiss those resolutions are pointless. Pointless. You're gonna say, "Oh, no more bread, no more pasta, no more this, no more that." But two weeks in, you're in there, right? So we don't believe in resolutions. I don't. I, we always ask God, God, give us a word for the year. Give us one word, a God word, not a good word, a God word. Give us one word that that would that would help us, that would sharpen us, that would that would encourage us, that would work in us. And listen, that's a good thing. That's a good practice. All of these are good practices: fasting and praying, and taking special time out to pray, taking special time out to fast, asking God for a word. But my challenge to you this way, this this year, is to flip it all. If you're going to fast, fast for somebody else. Here, here's the key this year. Here's where we're at this year. We might have to get smaller before we get bigger. Here's where we're at this year. Here's why we're not in the building. Listen, the building is going beautifully right now. I'm excited about what's happening at the building. I'm not gonna, I'm, so I'm not upset anymore. You... You stay connected on, on because any day this week, any day next week, hey, we can get the word we're in. And once you get in, you're not going to believe. So I'll leave it at that. So, so this year, we're going to start starting now. We're going to fast, fast for somebody else. If you're going to pray, pray for somebody else. You watch how blessed you are when your prayers are not about you. Watch. Just watch. Test God in this. That God, I'm broke. I need this. Okay, I'm going to pray for somebody else's blessing. Why? Because God, you already know mine. Because you're in me. So if the Spirit of God is in me, He sees the, the bills come and when they say overdue, God, the Spirit of God in us sees us. Sees that. So He knows your content is late. Oh, that's too personal for somebody. Somebody just went. Did you tell him? He knows. God knows. So, so pray for somebody else. God, pray for somebody else because somehow I'm going to get through this. Somehow, God, I'm gonna, you're going to see me through because you've seen me through before. But God, there's some people that don't have you. There's some people that don't know. So Father, I lift up those people that they're kind of in this lane too and they don't have you. At least I have you. Amen? 
So we're going to flip it. And, and, and so now, it, when you ask God for a word, and I'm going to ask you to still do that. Do that this year. But let it be a word that will make you a blessing to somebody else. We've been blessed to bless. This year, let's be about evangelism. Let's be about the Great Commission. Let's be about sharing the good news this year. Let's be about praying for people and giving people prophetic words of encouragement. Amen? There should be nobody around us. Nobody that knows you should not know God. Nobody that knows you should not know God. Oh, but they'll reject them. That's on them. That's not your fault. That's not your fault. God never lets go. Watch this. 